This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Arnold Golden and Gregory. Welcome to Energy Matters, a show about how you can save money on your utility bills, use technology wisely, and live a more sustainable lifestyle. Here's your host, veteran energy regulator and clean energy expert, Commissioner Tim Eccles. Thank you, Scott Slade. It is always great to be saving money and to use technology and to live a more sustainable life. We interrupt this episode of Energy Matters to take you outdoors. On the road again. This is Tim Eccles with Energy Matters on the road, and we're at Road Atlanta for this Petit Lamar race. It's held every year, a great experience. I'm here with Daniel. He's camping out here. First, Daniel, let me ask you, do you come every year? We've, we've come every year for the past four years now, and then on and off since before that. But, yeah, we, we really love it here. It's a great time. BMW is a popular car on the track here, and you're driving a BMW i3. Yes, I am. Uh, and behind us, we're hearing a lot of the, of the Porsches, uh, G, uh, the GT3 uh, series. But you've got an i3, and the i3 is something that, that was new to you. You used to drive a Volkswagen. So tell me about your experience with the i3. Well, I was looking around for a, um, I was very interested in EVs and just trying to find something that wasn't crazy expensive. And after doing a lot of research, and I saw where you could get an i3 for under $20,000 with 30,000 miles. And it was a great car. As soon as I drove it, I knew I had to be in it. It's been a great transition for me. What are some of the things you've had to learn driving an electric vehicle as opposed to the previous gas vehicle that you had? Uh I feel like that gets blown out of proportion a lot because it's really not, for me, for my normal commute, I mean, I, char- I charge at home every night, so I just, I unplug and I just, I do my normal commute throughout the day and don't have to worry about DC fast charging or, you know, really, there's not really a, um, I haven't seen a, really any major differences other than regenerative braking, which is awesome. I love, I love the one foot driving. It's really not, other than the, the instant torque available at zero RPM, it's really not anything different. I love it. Do you ever think we'll see electric vehicles out of here at Road Atlanta? I know Don Panis had a hybrid that he ran way back when. I mean, we're still, you know, we've had some we've had some hybrids, but never fully electric. Do you think we'll ever see that? I think we will, but I think the battery the battery technology is going to have to come a long way. The energy density is going to have to really come up before we can see uh, and and the fast charging technology too. It's definitely in our future, but it's probably a ways out. I'd be very excited to see it. You know, when you got your car, the i3, there were probably about 20 cars that had a plug. This year, there are 48 cars with a plug. What do you see as the future for electric vehicles, either fully electric or hybrid plug-in? Yeah, I don't see the hybrid plug-in being being the future. I I see it strictly electric. Um, Yeah, I mean, the i3. I have I have the range extender on the i3, so it's technically a hybrid, and I I do I do use it, but it's very rare that I turn on the range extender. But once going back to energy energy density and um, and the charging capabilities too, I feel like once those which they are, they're increasing substantially right now. So I feel like that will bleed over into the. You know, the German manufacturers they were a little bit late coming to the electric car game and I've talked to the Germans about this they said one of the reasons is they wanted to make sure they got it right that it was a high performance high quality 
product. And now you see Porsche, Audi, Volkswagen going in big time. How do you think the German manufacturers are going to impact the EV market? Well, I feel like BMW had a chance to really do a lot more. They came out with the i3 in 2014, and they, they've done some ma- some minor updates to it, but they I feel like they've really dropped the ball on further developing the i3 and the i8, but I, I'm seeing the new, uh, seeing Porsche's new Taycan and seeing the, um, uh, the, the new Audi that's going to be built in that same platform, they, that, that's a very impressive, very impressive platform. I, that's that's going to bring the EV world a long way. You know, one of the things about the German cars, the newer ones, is they take a lot of energy. Uh, there's seven, there's seven uh, DC fast chargers at the Porsche headquarters down in Hayville. It, it, it pulls over two megawatts of electricity if you were using those seven simultaneously. And frankly, as the regulator who regulates the grid in Georgia, our grid's really not ready for that yet. And, and I think that's one of the things we've got to do is get the grid ready for simultaneous charging for German-type cars that are, that are thirsty as well as for transit buses and trucks and things like that. I mean, what do you think about the backbone that we need in order to be able to charge these cars? I'm not honestly. I'm not too familiar with the uh, with the infrastructure side of everything. I do realize that these DC fast chargers and the uh, these German cars that are coming out charging at 250 kilowatt. I mean, that's sucking down some major power. So, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, we will have to strengthen our infrastructure to be able to charge many cars like that at once. You know, you think about autonomous cars, right? Those Teslas, they've got that they've got that autonomous mode. Obviously, we're not running autonomous cars now, but obviously all autonomous cars will be electric. They're not going to be gas or diesel autonomous cars. What do you think when you when you think about autonomous cars? Is it 10 years away, 20 years away, 30 years away as you think about the development of fully autonomous cars? And are there intermediate steps? Yeah, so it's a... Sorry, I got completely distracted. <laughs> well, will we repeat the question? I'm sorry. Yeah, we're sitting... Yeah, we just saw a Porsche uh, run off the track here, uh, uh, but we're we're talking about autonomous cars and whether or not these things are going to be disruptive in the next 10, 20, 30 years. What do you think is the future of autonomous cars? Yeah, so I've, I'm a software engineer by trade, so it's it kind of scares me seeing how much people trust autopilot in its current form, and uh, I still see it at least 10 years down the road before it's before you can just hop in your autonomous car and it takes you from point A to point B without any intervention. I think Elon's a little crazy thinking he's going to have his robo-taxi network ready to go by the end of the year, so we'll see. <laughs> well, this is Tim Eccles, and I'm here. Uh, is this turn 10, 11, 10B? Uh, I'm, I'm here at 10, turn B, uh, 10B at uh, Road Atlanta, and you're listening to Energy Matters on the road. We now resume our regular scheduled program. Man, was that ever a cool experience. I'm Tim Eccles. I'm the host of Energy Matters. I was at Road Atlanta for the Petit Lama. Uh, I, I guess that's how you say that. Um, Andrew, you speak French? 
Uh, no, my mom does, so I actually know how to say things like "shut your mouth" and that's enough. Yeah, how do you say "petite le mans in, in you know in a French fashion? Do you know? No, I would butcher it. Okay. She would be so embarrassed. Yeah. So, but I was there. It was fun, and you had a chance to listen to it. This is Andrew Saunders, my co-host today, He's a sustainability officer for Athens Clark. So more and more guys it was interesting that you know he had come from a traditional car Mm -hmm. to an ev uh had come out of a vw and into that bmw i3 uh and performance especially from these german manufacturers they're all about performance are you i mean you drive an ev you're seeing that uh, in and around your world so uh, what i will tell you is that the performance of evs in the form of torque and braking and and cornering is is almost insane uh, Georgia Power was kind enough to let me take their uh, Tesla Model 3 for a, a test drive. I couldn't even floor it. Like, I, I, I was afraid I would lose control. More importantly, if you look at companies that are focused on performance, the Ferraris and the Maseratis, they're all coming electric because they see that this is going to be what really gets their customers' attention. You know, the, the noise factor, and, you know, I've got – I have three boys, and they all have put – put mufflers on vehicles mm-hmm. that, that they had and and i on my first truck i split the manifold and put glass packs mm-hmm. on that so uh, the, the guys you know in my life like noise in fact i went to this formula e-race in montreal uh which is electric yeah right and, and and it was quiet i didn't have to wear headphones i could talk to the people uh, that i was there with but yet but yet they had trouble filling the stands. I mean, they in Montreal, they have a Formula One race. Mm-hmm. They have a whole little island built for Formula One racing. And, of course, that's very popular. But, I mean, do you think the fact that these cars aren't noisy uh, that – at least take the male side of the population, is that going to keep them from going all in on this? I do initially, for sure. Um, I I think that that's part of the race. I mean, if you listen to that segment, the noise is incredible and it gets your pulse going. And even in the residential side, we've seen the electric car manufacturers have had to add noise to their cars just to make it safer for people around cities. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if one day we had a race car that was really loud and just happened to be electric. Let's talk about this range extender, which uh, which I guess you could just coin that as a generator, uh, like mm-hmm. in the Chevy Volt mm-hmm. that they had. Explain what a range extender is. So it is the, um, the transition between full electric and a gas engine vehicle. Sometimes it comes in the form of a plug-in hybrid. Sometimes it's actually like a small little generator that's either towed behind the car or integrated with the car. But what it does is it allows you to take fossil fuel and create electricity with it and keep an electric car going So you're essentially using, like in a Volt or a BMW i3, you're using that gas engine to actually charge the battery. You're not actually running the car on the engine. That's right. That's correct. You know what the Germans are doing now? And I was in Munich and had a chance to go to the BMW Welt, the experience center and museum that they have over there. They are not going with that concept anymore. They are building a very powerful powerful electric motor that in the case of the 7 series it it would BMW was in the back of the car mm-hmm. but they still have that huge gas engine up front that car is generating even more horsepower mm-hmm. even more torque more speed it's just got you know a, another engine in it now it's got two instead of one yeah those those really high performance cars where where electric shines is the the initial launch off the line how quickly they can go 
And tip, traditionally, gas engine motors lag a little bit early. So when you combine them, you get that shot right out of the gate, and then the gas motor can come and really take off. Awesome. I'm Tim Eccles. You're listening to Energy Matter. I'm at Tim Eccles on Twitter and the shows at Matters Radio. Stick around. More great conversation on technology, saving money, and sustainability. Gas South believes in the difference we can all make, like the difference in putting people first and showing that you care. For us, our difference is saving people money with our best rates and no deposit, and the difference we make in our community by taking care of our friends and neighbors and giving back 5% of our profits to help children in need. Learn more about what makes us different at GasSouth.com. Gas South. The difference is good. Tim Eccles, host of Energy Matters, here with Jeff Pratt of Green Power EMC. Jeff, more and more EMCs are offering solar to their members, and you're seeing it grow like crazy across rural Georgia. Tim, you're right. Co-ops in Georgia are doing a great job of deploying solar across the state. In fact, they're leaders in the country with respect to engaging customers and deploying large-scale solar to benefit all their members. Hey, contact your EMC and ask them about their solar energy policy, or just Google Green Power EMC. This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Arnold, Golden, and Gregory, an AMLAW 200 law firm with 180 attorneys in Atlanta and Washington, D.C. They take a business sensibility approach when advising clients. They provide industry knowledge, attention to detail, transparency, and value to help businesses and individuals achieve their definition of success. AGG subscribes to the belief not if, but how. We thank John Gornall and all the attorneys and staff at AGG for sponsoring our show. Hey, today's the day. I've been talking about Road Atlanta, the Petit Le Mans, one of my favorite events for the whole year. Uh, and today's the race day. And with me today to kick off our show, my colleague, Bubba McDonald, who has a little bit of history with Don Panis, this track, the hotel, the winery, everything that happened there. Welcome to the show, Commissioner. Thank you, Tim. Great to be with you this morning. Commissioner, I'm way back when when Don Panis uh, came to the U.S. and began thinking about doing a winery. I mean, that there was a lot of obstacles, and you kind of helped make that happen. Don came to Georgia in the red carpet tour. Ray McRae was president of the First National Bank in Gainesville. Don picked some grapes uh, at Blackstock's little vineyard, what even a vineyard, just a vine, coming from Gainesville going to the pharmacy school in Athens. He decided that he thought that maybe could grow grapes in Georgia. Chateau Elan started in my living room in Commerce, Georgia with Don Paynos, Ray McRae, and, and a guy named Ed Friedrich, who was his wine chemist from California. Started there, I did the Farm Winery Act in the legislature. I was in the House of Representatives that time. I did the Farm Winery Act where that they could bring uh, the juices, the vernacular juices or whatever, uh, into Georgia, and the taxes on that would, would escalate as the vines grew. And that's where it started, and uh, I was privileged to uh, be with Don and everything that he did, opening hotels, opening golf courses, opening racetracks, until his death. And I was there when uh, the memorial service for Don's death was there. Everything, he, in, he involved me in it. 
Bubba, this race today uh, was his vision, the Petit Le Mans. Uh, you know, he ran in that real French Le Mans over there. Then he brought something like that here, is still going and racing. And all that Panis has done has been incredible for economic development in Northeast Georgia. That's true. And, of course, he had the first electorate uh, race car that demonstrated up there and, and did very well. He also bought uh, Sebron in Florida, that racetrack there. And uh, so it's just remarkable. The vision the guy had uh, was just amazing. And, of course, the, the uh, Panos Roadster and the, the cars that he built uh, is just absolutely amazing. You know, as we think about where Georgia's going in the future uh, with energy, you and I uh, regulate energy along with our colleagues. And, of course, you are the, the solar godfather of Georgia. I remember um, way back when, when I first got to the commission, I had no idea how we could possibly move the things forward. But you had the experience, you had the, the political capital to really make it happen here in Georgia as we kicked it off. What What are your hopes for solar as we go forward in the future? Well, Tim, I'm going to give you credit too and Doug Everett because I went to y'all and I asked you to support me on something that I wanted to do in the 2013 IRP that Georgia Power did not have one single watt of solar power in that IRP. And I asked y'all to support me. I'll tell you what I'm going to do after I get it done. And y'all had faith in me, two of the four of you on the commission. Then I brought 525 megawatts. As to the future of solar, the future is built on the past. We have had a very constructive, market-driven solar program in Georgia. It's been the envy of the, of the nation, really. Uh, we are now sixth or fifth in the nation in solar growth. No upward pressure on our rate payers and no state subsidies to do this. It's been a fantastic program. We've had a great partner with Georgia Power. Our EMCs are coming along nicely with their solar programs. Even some of our municipal electorates are doing the same thing. So Georgia is in the limelight. But the other thing is, Tim, we have the diversification of generation. We're not, a, we're not a California and have rolling brownouts and blackouts. We have the diversification. And the best friend that solar can have is nuclear energy. And we have the first only two new nuclear plants in the nation in over 36 years. Yes, there's been some hiccups. Nobody would have expected Western House to go bankrupt. There's been some hiccups, but we're going to finish that program, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to benefit the people of Georgia for the next 80-plus years. You know, as I, I think about our legacy on the commission now, th this, this Vogel plant that is going to happen is going to power Georgia for our children, our grandchildren, my great-great-grandchildren. I'm so optimistic. And we have endured a lot of difficulty on this thing, but, I mean, that's part of it, right? That's true. Very true. But you got to understand this. Even with difficulty, it takes thick skin. It takes people like you, like my colleagues, that uh, will stand up and uh, take, the, take the hits that we take uh, doing what we see will be the best. And you know, Georgia, Georgia talks about being the seven years in a row of the best state in the nation to do business in. One of the things that's very important is for manufacturing, development, what is my energy cost and what is the reliability of it? That reliability word is so, so important when you look about the future of this nation and state of Georgia. 
You know, the California grid is reliable about 51 weeks out of the year. It's only about a week that they have to tell people to turn off their power. And, man, I can't imagine any quicker way for you and I to be fired than to start doing rolling brownouts. Wouldn't be fired. We'd be ridden out of town on, on something with tarred and feathered. <laughs> it's so important, uh, this reliability, cost, diversification. You know, as you've traveled the state, and we're standing in front of your your, your Kia Telluride uh, here with your with your logo on it, and you're traveling the state. You're made in Lagrange, uh, made in Lagrange Georgia, West Point, Georgia, and you are uh, you're up for re-election this year. And as you travel Middle Georgia, South Georgia, what kind of what kind of feedback do you get about all of that solar that we've done down in Middle and South Georgia? Oh, it's, it's been very well received. It's brought, it's brought economic development to many of the counties down there. It brought tax base to many of the counties that didn't have much of a tax base. And, and, and of course, it's just, uh, it's just started, really. And uh, what we see is what we've gotten, and uh, everybody's happy about it. Uh, we had the hiccup of Solyndra, if you remember, uh, getting over that word that the federal government under the Obama administration just poured money into a bottomless bucket in California. And, and we had to get over that hump. People associated solar with Solyndra. And uh, we, we got over that. And again, I can't tell you how many times that the other states look at Georgia and how we've done our program. You know, uh, folks have looked at Georgia Power and they've said, you know, we've, we've got them too involved, but you and I both went to Germany. We both saw what they were doing over there, those high power bills, and we came back, and, and as you said earlier, uh, your motion, me and, me and Doug supporting you in it, has put Georgia Power at the table, and they've learned a lot about solar, haven't they? Well, they embraced it so much that you think they would have invented solar. I remind them that quite often. Yeah, yeah, they've gotten so good that they think they've invented it. You know, they have moved us along, and we're going to continue to grow. What about these batteries? Do you feel like solar plus batteries is a way in the future for us, or is that mainly going to be a California thing? No, no, it's it's technology, the development. It's just like in in thirteen, the price of solar had gone down, the the technology had gone up. We called it the perfect storm because. Interest rates were very favorable for long-term interest. And we had the land. Georgia, the largest geographical state east of the Mississippi River. And one other thing that we have that a lot of places don't have, we have the electrons from the sun because we have great sun in Georgia. If Germany had 50% of what Georgia has, they'd they just love it very much. God put that to us. We didn't do that. You know, you and I uh, run for office uh, every six years. A lot of folks don't understand the Public Service Commission and what we do. Why is, why is this office so important? Well, Tim, we know that it, this agency that we serve on probably has as much of an impact on the people's pocketbook is any other agency in state government. And what our charge is, is we've got to make sure that number one, we have that reliability. Number two, we have affordable energy. And number three, we have clean energy. And that's what this commission has been working on for several years. I've been privileged to be a part of it. I appreciate the people of Georgia's confidence in me to do that. Also in you, we work in partnerships with those that we regulate and, and we, we get the job done.
as you uh, just in our last minute you're, you're traveling the state every single day out there what are you hearing from people about georgians about what they're concerned about in regard to energy in the future georgians want the lights to come on when they flip the switch and they want to be able to pay the bill at the end of the month as far as what generation mix we have only those that are close to that really get involved in that but the average um, georgian is just wants to have the service yeah re reliability is so important and, uh, and and i think it's a driving force for all of us on the commission well, I mean, you've been uh, you've been cruising around. You make speeches. You uh, you meet with folks for breakfast. I mean, you're you're tireless. Uh, I mean, you call me the Energizer Bunny, but really, you're the original Energizer Bunny. Uh, you still enjoy campaigning. I love it very much. I love talking to the people of Georgia. My 20 years in the state legislature gives me an opportunity to revisit people that I served with for many, many years in different parts of the state. And that's, that's a blessing. And uh, good Lord has given me great health. And uh, I've put over 28,000 miles on this Kia uh, this year. And uh, I look forward to when the election's over to flying my airplane more. Well, there you have it, Commissioner McDonald and I, as we kick off uh, the Road Atlanta Petite Lamar. Thank you very much, Commissioner, for being on the show. Thank you, Tim. God bless America. Hey, stick around. I'll be right back with more info about racing and all the fun things happening here in Northeast Georgia. I'm Tim Eccles. You're listening to Energy Matters. Creative Solar USA is a Georgia-based turnkey installer of innovative solar panel systems. With their NABCEP certified installers, they ensure you receive the highest quality solar energy system in the industry. They're proud to work with you before, during, and after the install, blending customer demand, system capability, and expertise to provide the best service possible. Contact them today at 770-485-7438 or creativesolarusa.com. Hey, this is Tim Eccles. We talk all the time on Energy Matters about buying a used EV instead of a new one. Let someone else pay the depreciation. BMVW Auto Sales, one of our show sponsors, can fix you up. Go to their website at ev-hybrid.com to see the ever-changing inventory. BMVW has every brand, every type of EV, and they'll even let you test drive it for three days, show you how to charge it and drive it for maximum performance. That's ev-hybrid.com, ev-hybrid.com. Reducing pollution from the transportation industry is an important goal, and few alternative vehicle fuels offer the distinct advantages of compressed natural gas. I myself drive an F-150 CNG pickup. Marlin Compression, part of Marlin Gas Services, is helping to usher in this clean energy future to the Port of Savannah, too. Not only is Marlin Compression a trusted provider of CNG for fleet fueling, they are also working with Port Fueling Center on a state-of-the-art CNG truck fueling facility. Learn more about the distinct economic and environmental advantages of using natural gas for trucking fleets of all sizes and explore all of Marlin services by visiting marlincompression.com. That's marlincompression.com. Calculate your savings today. Hey, this is Tim Eccles. We're back at Energy Matters and at Road Atlanta. I'm with Larry here. Uh, we're out on the track just doing some interviews. Larry, how, how long have you been coming to the Petit Le Mans? 
20 years. Uh, so, Larry, you've been to all of these, and you guys camp every year? Yes, sir, we do. We have a, come up here and have a good time for the week. Yeah, so you got your buds up here. Are these guys you regularly hang out with, or you just meet them up here? They're like family. Yeah. Well, I mean, this year with COVID, uh, you know, reduced capacity, all the extra precautions, uh, didn't slow you guys down. No, sir. We're up here bright and early, ready to watch some racing. Yeah, what's your favorite thing about coming to a road race like this? Uh, the venue. It's it's so wide open here and, and so gorgeous and just a lot of places to go and a lot of different spots to watch the racing and a lot of good folks. Do you have a sports car yourself? Uh, I have a couple of old Mustangs. I. Yeah, this year I know that they've got an EV performance corral with a Porsche Taycan, maybe a Mustang Mach 1, all those Teslas. Have you thought about those EVs and will they become a thing in the future or you think it's just a fad? I think it is the future, but I still love the piston engines. Yeah, I mean, can you have racing without the noise? The Audis tried that for a couple of years and ended up having to put some equipment on the car so people could actually hear them because when they went by, you didn't hear them. Yeah, so I know that the Formula E is... Uh, uh, you know, is struggling, you know, to go into various markets uh, and they just haven't been able to get the crowds that the regular Formula One has. Uh, well, racing's all about a lot of different things and one of them is noise and hearing the engines and how the cars are running and when they're electric, you have no idea what the cars are doing. What if they put artificial noise in there that was really loud? Would that change it for you? I think it would. Okay. All right. Let's go to John. Yeah. John. I got John here. John, where are you from? Montgomery. So, John, you came over. Uh, do you go to lots of races, or is this just it for the year? Um, I've been doing Road Atlanta. This is my 44th year, um, way before the Petit Le Mans ever started. But, uh, no, Road Atlanta's Mecca, and 12 hours of Sebring, 24 hours of Daytona, Indianapolis. We do all of those. And uh, now Road Atlanta's Mecca. It's just one of those kind of things that uh, after you've experienced it and compared it to the others, uh, there is no comparison. Yes, so do you have a sports car yourself? A shop full. Guard, uh, yes, I've got, I've got sports cars, race cars. So one of the shows on WGAU, this show, is called Energy Matters. So we're talking about technology, sustainability. EVs come up a lot. What's your opinion about when these EVs are going to be primetime First, maybe in the sports car world, and then just out on the highways for commuters. That's an excellent question to ask me, because I'll tell you how the cow eats a cabbage. It's one of those kind of things that the powers that be need to pay attention that 50% of racing is the noise emitted and the vibrations going through the body. If you've got the electric stuff or you've got the old Audis or something and it's a whisper doesn't make any noise, my thought is raw. It's just one of those kind of deals that, no, that's part of it. It's going to be a shame when we all have to go to nothing but the vintage races to be able to hear and feel the cars. Yeah, so the, the vintage, uh, tell our audience what you mean by the vintage races. Um, there are vintage racing organizations, historic racing organizations that takes uh, actual race cars from the... Uh, earlier days the 50s 60s 70s uh, that were the prime stuff and they all have their own sound signature you know and it's it's a joy it's a joy that, that's just part of the like i said 50 percent so you're saying those porsches that run on the track have a sound signature the bmws have a sound signature the prototypes have a sound signature everything's different formula e I wouldn't go to one of those, to tell you the honest truth. I mean, it, it's kind of 
okay to watch a little bit on television, but with no sound, it, it just it loses such a such a big grasp of it. And if anybody's ever heard a Porsche 917, which ran a flat 12-cylinder motor, what comes out of the exhaust pipes of those is sunshine and musical notes. Yeah, that's great. Okay, who's your next buddy over here? Indy Ray. Indy Ray. You're from Indianapolis? Yes. Yes, I am. Yeah. Yeah, how about them Colts? Sure. Let me ask you about your trek down here. You come every year? Yes. Yes, I do. I go to a lot of races, but I come here every year. And what's your favorite thing about Road Atlanta and the experience of Petite? Uh, it's a roller coaster. A lot of up and down. Uh, the fans are great. Um, you know, we come here to see race cars go fast, but we also come here to hang out with our friends. These people I met at a racetrack. We joined together at different racetracks around the country. Um, and it's just, it's family. It's just great to get back with, with them, commiserate, and enjoy the sport. So during the race, will you be sitting on top of your camper? Will you be trackside? Will you be going to different corners? What, what, what's kind of your typical uh, big race day? Well, we, we have little mini trails, so we go out and, and experience the, the race from different vantages. So uh, we get the full feel of what it's like. It's really great right here because you're at the highest speed of the cars going by when they're really wide open before they hit the brakes to go into 10A. And uh, yeah, that sensation of speed is probably best right here. Yeah, so we're on the back stretch uh, here. Things are quiet right now until the race. Do you have a sports car yourself? Uh, no, I don't. No, I don't. And I, let me ask you the same thing I asked your buddies about the electric vehicles and when they're going to be prime time. They're 48 vehicles with a plug this year a lot of german manufacturers have both the gas engine and the electric motor uh so uh, and, and that sound that we're hearing is a lawnmower it's not the sound of a race car but um when do you think these things are going to be prime time well I, you know it's progress and you can't stop it it's inevitable and i'm an old timer and i i live for the noise of a racetrack and that's going to take some getting used to. Um, you know, I went through uh, the turbines uh, back in the late 60s, early 70s in Indianapolis, and they sounded like a vacuum cleaner, okay? Um, and I miss that, that, that sound. I mean, the sound of a piston engine is part of what racing is all about. But I, I realize as an old-timer, I've got to... I've got to go with the times. I can't resist it. And you know, if they can, if they can come out out with a way to make a an EV sound like a 917 Porsche, I'll be a happy camper. <laughs> well, let me get your last buddy here walking his dog. What's your name, sir? Steve Sadler. And where are you from? Salem, Indiana. And do you come here, or do you go to a lot of races? Well, we go to a lot of races. This is my first time here. And I know you haven't had a chance to get out there on the track and uh and see all the corners and everything but what have you heard about road atlanta that makes you want to come here ray and i go with a bunch of our friends to uh mid ohio every year and it's similar in that it's out in the country in the rolling hills so you get a lot of changes of elevation a lot of turns a lot of challenging things for the driver which i think makes it fun for we fans and do you have a sports car yourself i do not do you want one? Oh sure i'm a red, red blooded american boy <laughs> 
Yeah, so uh, your your colleagues, camping colleagues here, have said that sound is a critical part of this. In fact, they might not even come if it weren't for the sound. Is that true for you? Probably. I really enjoy We set up in Turn 4 at Indy, and the biggest uh, thrill, I think, of the year for me is when they come through turn three into four the first time at speed and they're all still kind of bunched together you get 33 cars going as fast as they can that's really hard to beat <laughs> none of you have talked about the smell of fuel right which you don't get on electric vehicles so you've all just talked about hearing but i'm going to go back and ask each of you about the smell of race fuel and if that is uh if that is a factor let me let's step out of the way of this car here um well, what do you think well it's not for me because i don't have a sense of smell anymore <laughs> so I can't smell anything anytime. Maybe you have COVID. Uh, it's possible. I really, I really, really hope not, but uh, it, no. it is possible. No. no, I'm just old. It no. quit working 15 years or so ago. So uh, I don't miss it when I go to the racetrack because I can go and take my time in a porta potty where everybody else has to run in and run out. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, probably too much information. Uh, let me ask you. Let me ask you about the the smell. Actually, the smells of fuel um, is a fantastic thing if you pay attention to it. I know back in the actual 80s, you could go to one of the, like the Daytona for the 24-hour races, and some of them had a flavor. Matter of fact, uh, Bob Aiken's Coca-Cola Porsche, when it would come by you, uh, it smelled like burnt cinnamon. It was wonderful. Um, in my race cars, I run 112 octane, and that stuff, it actually smells more like model airplane glue than it does gasoline. But when it comes through the pipe after being burned, it is perfume. Wow. I mean, folks, you're getting an education here. I mean, we're learning about the smell of racing, the sound of racing. Let me go back to um, my last guest today. How about the, the, the olfactory, the smell? Is that How important is that? It, it is important. I mean, you, you view the race with all your senses, and smell is an important part of that. So uh, I don't think it's as important as the noise. No, but, and the vibration. But, yeah, but it's, it's an important part of it. Well, thank you guys for being on Road Atlanta uh, Energy Matters Special. Appreciate you being here. I'm out of time. One last thing we want to say from the alumni folks here. Uh, we appreciate y'all listening. All right. This is Tim Eccles. You're listening to Energy Matters. Energy Matters would like to thank Gas South for its support of the show. Gas South has a no deposit policy and offers some of the lowest per therm rates in the state. Use the promo code MATTERS for a special deal. Gas South, the difference is good. Hey, Tim Eccles here, host of Energy Matters. Solar's growing like crazy in Georgia, and I certainly say buyer beware. It's great to have companies like Creative Solar USA on the job. Russ, why do folks need to reach out to you? Tim, we're going on to our 14th year, and we have the best staff and most experienced installers in the state to get the job done right. You can find out more at creativesolarusa.com or call 770-485-7438. That's creativesolarusa.com. 
The electric car revolution is coming, and the choices are growing. Gem cars are everywhere. You've seen these low-speed electric vehicles on college campuses, downtown Atlanta streets, and resort islands like St. Simons and Jekyll. Gem cars are street legal, equipped with seatbelts, headlights, and a tag, and can operate on roads with speed limits of 35 miles per hour or less. If you want to know more about these electric cars and trucks, six-passenger shuttles, mobile repair service, or full vehicle wraps, go to GemCarService.com. That's G-E-M, CarService.com. This segment of Energy Matters is sponsored by Hall Booth Smith. This law firm works with over 88 Fortune 500 companies, and they have offices from Brunswick to Athens, Tifton to Columbus, and of course, Atlanta. We'd like to thank Hall Booth Smith for the great work they do with school boards, hospitals, cities, and counties all over our state. See more at HallBoothSmith.com. Hey, back on race day here with uh, with Andrew Saunders. Uh, you heard him in the first segment, and our friend Sean Mathis from Miles Through Time, who is a Porsche owner, owner and a Tesla owner. Uh, Sean, welcome uh, to this segment. Thanks for having me, Andrew. Uh, you heard the guys uh, in segment three, the old guys. I call them. Uh, I mean, I'm kind of an old guy myself, but uh, the old guys that camp up on the hill. And how they said that smell, the smell of the fuel, the vibration of the cars, and the sound of the cars was as much a part of their race experience as the the colors and the speed and the, the changing of the gears. I mean, you believe that? I do, actually. You know, I've been able to go to uh, a number of races uh, throughout my time, and and um, definitely, I agree. Like the noise is like you can feel it in your chest when they're running, and so I think that's that's we're something we're going to have to struggle with and try to figure out how to address as racing evolves for new new cars. Yeah, Sean, what about you? I mean, uh, you you've got the Porsche, uh, you know, which which is if it, it's got the fine German sound to it, and then you've got the quiet Tesla. Uh, do you prefer the noise uh, or not? I, I'm a little torn because I do like the way uh, a good sounding car sounds and feels. I also have been in cars where it gets old, where I wish it was quieter. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, the biggest thing is they're two different things. You you cannot compare them to each other. And that's what I tell people all the time that you got to take it for what it is. And once you start going and going and you know get rid of the sound of a, a V8 or anything with that sounds good and just take it for what it is with the raw electric power of that instant get up and go take it for that and don't compare it to the sound you know when i was 15 um about to get my driver's license um i I mean sound was very important to me i mean i got a six-cylinder chevrolet truck and we split the manifold on it and we put glass packs on it as i mentioned earlier and that sound was something that made me smile andrew same. Uh, when I was 16, I immediately changed the exhaust on my vehicle. I still own that vehicle today. And we've actually seen in some of the early electric vehicle races where they pipe in sound. Uh, specific. So, so there is a bit of that transition. I will say, though, electric vehicles have their own sound. And I think there could be on high-performance vehicles kind of an evolution of, uh, that people get used to. Logan, you've got a truck. I mean, is uh, I mean that's a utility vehicle for you. But uh, does sound matter to you? Like Andrew, I put the muffler on my car when I was young. But as I'm into my 30s now, I want it as quiet as possible. <laughs> that, that's the thing now. Is it, it's funny how we change. But no, in fact, if I were to go with the electric ride, I would enjoy the the what I call peace and quiet about it. 
I've, I've, I've grown up, Tim. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, you, know, you know, these old guys that we had on the show earlier, they, they still love the sound. Sean, you're saying you're torn. So uh, I, I think there is something to what Logan is saying, that as you get older, um, that it's just not as important to you. You know, my first car was a manual, and I changed the exhaust on it as well. And the thing is, is when you drive a manual and you're shifting through gears, the sound is extremely important. But with an electric car, you're not doing that. And some people are anti not shifting either. But once again, you just push the the pedal down, and I mean, the power is instantly there. There's nothing like it. You know, Andrew, I didn't think about that. The, the sound of the engine and the RPMs of the engine tell you when to shift the gear. Mm-hmm. They do. They absolutely do. I think another uh, kind of unacknowledged benefit is people that race for a living now will actually be able to retain their hearing. <laughs> if you hang out with old racers, they're a little hard of hearing. Well, this petite Lama, uh, and Don Panis passed away, and I had the privilege of being friends with him and helping him with a, a number of projects. But it was his vision and it was based on his involvement with the real Le Mans race in France which is a 24-hour race so folks are wondering hey what's that petite thing well it's a smaller version of it it's a 10-hour version it is an endurance race and Sean let me ask you I mean you you have the you know the one of the cannonball run uh, cars record holders in your museum in Clarksville endurance an endurance race is different than a quarter mile, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, that's a lot of time for something to go wrong. You know, if if, if all you need to go, do is go a quarter mile down the strip, I mean, it, it, there's a lot less pressure of it lasting, you know, f- for the entire race. Um, and, and so you got you got a lot of variables there that can happen pop up on you. Yeah, Andrew, um, I don't know what races you follow. I, I've been to the NASCAR track a lot in, in Road, Atlanta a lot i enjoy watching racing you know on television i enjoy actually watching um the tour de france bike race and i mean you're an athens guy and you see a lot of a lot of bikes and bike races here endurance racing i mean how tough you know, how tough is that i mean it's a completely different type of engineering as sean said and, and i think it's also going to be interesting to say how does endurance racing change when you go to electric vehicles where it's not about rpms but more about say like heat management and of course battery charge and discharge um is said like you gotta to do an endurance race you better be engineered for the long haul i had a chance to go to montreal as uh, a guest of kruger uh which uh is a is a biomass company they have uh, they make white cloud toilet paper and uh, they were involved with the a formula e race which is uh kind of an offshoot of formula one racing but to your point andrew it was a much shorter race that they they had two sessions where then they changed they changed batteries and so they didn't do any battery charging during the race they just had kind of an hour uh and and you know a session one was an hour session two was an hour and it was the quietest race that that i've ever been to yeah no no i mean i'm actually wondering if at some point on fixed tracks if they don't start to do some induction charging loops in the track uh so that the the cars can derive their power from them because otherwise with today's technology you're going to be doing some swaps there's just not a way around say that five second refuel that you see out of nascar 
That's like what the Ray is developing. You know, if they take that technology and apply it to a racetrack, that that may be the future of EV racing. Yeah, it's one thing to try to pave a 200-mile stretch of interstate with you know with induction charging but a two mile racetrack that's doable absolutely Uh, and i don't know i don't know if it'll ever happen or not because i'm you know i i see even uh like motor trend press kind of mocking electric vehicles i heard one of their announcers just kind of belittling it so i just i I just think it's going to be a much longer transition than we think i actually sure a noise and and nostalgia maybe but on performance there's i think people actually start to become frustrated at how well the electric vehicles do you got low center of gravity tremendous amounts of torque like they're not going to be able to keep up and i'm sure sean you've probably seen that on that's the biggest thing is when they when they first tried to introduce all these electric cars they made them funky looking and they made them slow you start producing nothing but good looking cars that'll get up and go it's appealing you know, and, and the thing is, is they don't have to be appealing to 100% of every driver out there. They just need to be a, an, an alternative, another option for people that want it. And I tell you that, and, and we see this here at the track, um, that racing is really, um, I guess, underwritten by manufacturers, right? You see that BMW hospitality tent over there, the Porsche hospitality tent, the Mercedes hospitality tent, is that these, these companies are providing the funding to the teams, to the drivers, and without the manufacturer's investment, you probably don't have much of a race. So if manufacturers begin to change the cars that they want driven, that they want showcased, I mean, what's a team going to do? I mean, they're going to have to follow the lead of the manufacturer, Sean. Uh, You're absolutely right. And that's the Ford coming out with the Mach-E and the Lightning. I mean, Ford's going to be on board with that. You got GM and their Hummer and and various other full electric cars. Because the thing is, is Tesla's not going to do it. So if Tesla's the only one out there leading the pack on these electric cars, they have no interest in doing any of this stuff. But the traditional manufacturers that do, and they have the technology now, now it's going to start to to get introduced to these races. So if you're listening to us uh, here the morning of the Petit Le Mans, you drive an electric car, look, I want you to email me or text me and come out to the track as my guest. Uh, you know, I'm running the EV Performance Corral here. I've got a charger here for you. I've got a $100 ticket to get you in and a $50 infill pass. So we would love to have you come out to talk with race fans about your vehicle. So just email me at, uh, at tim at timeckles.com or text me at 706-340-0773. And I want to provide you with a ticket to come out to the race today. This race will will go until about ten o'clock uh, tonight. Uh, so you've got uh, you've got really all day to come out and enjoy this experience. It's it's crowded, uh, but you're going to be able to get in. We're going to meet you at the door. But we need more electric vehicles out here. Andrew, tell us about your EV. So I'm actually on the list right now for the Ford F-150 Lightning, which I am stoked about, um, but a little impatient. Um, in the meantime, our family is driving a minivan, which is not an EV. I previously have driven a couple of Nissan Leafs, and I'll say while ugly and to some degree, or funky looking as we might say, uh, a really high quality car as far as being able to get around town and, and uh, get our needs met. So. 
I, I cannot wait for the F-150 to come available. Yeah, I had a chance to ride in one at Atlanta Motor Speedway the other day with a professional driver, and it really handles like a performance uh uh, a performance car uh, so i think you're really going to love it sean you've got a porsche and a tesla that's right yeah and which one you like the best uh i like i like that tesla <laughs> it, it's it i think i have the model s and that is such a good looking car and fast well thanks for being on the show today guys and i uh, hope you enjoy the race and uh if if you're tuning in today we'd love to have you at the racetrack come out enjoy brazelton georgia and road atlanta Uh, You've been listening to Energy Matters. I'm Tim Eccles, your host. You can tune in every week right here and hear our show. Thanks a lot for listening and have a great day, everyone, because energy does matter. Tim Eccles of Energy Matters here for Solar Sun World. No doubt you've seen solar panels popping up all over the state. If you want the precision of German engineering when it comes to solar, Solar Sun World is for you. Gerd and all the folks at Solar Sun World understand the complexities of solar and how to make it work for you. From tax credits to inverters to accelerated depreciation, they'll advise you on the best path forward. And Solar Sun World now offers power purchase agreements. Find them at solarsunworld.com, solarsunworld.com. Everyone has tough times in their life. By checking the project share box at the bottom of your utility bill, you can make life a little easier for your neighbors. Your one, two, or five dollar checkoff is matched by the utility and then used by the Salvation Army to help folks having a tough time paying their energy bills. It's that easy. Join PSC Commissioner Tim Eccles and many others by donating via your power bills this year. See more by clicking projectshareinfo.com. And thank you.